essentially I wound up posting tenders in yes. there myself yes. and essentially developed a solution to satisfy one side of the market. The interesting thing now is now 10 years on, now I've got the opportunity potentially to start doing potentially the doing the two-sided market. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable tech startups here in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Guttingham. And I'm Beth Cornelia. And today we are talking with Rob Nathan, founder and managing director of Australian Tenders. He's also the man behind Perth's Upstart Tech Accelerators, a serial angel investor, and was recently awarded Entrepreneur of the Year at the Waita Insight Awards. Very deserved too. Very well deserved. He's a really top bloke, so we know you'll enjoy this chat with Rob. Well, welcome to Startup West. Rob. Thank you very much, Charlie, Beth. Nice oh, to be here. Very good to have, have you here. here. Can we start with Australian tenders? Sure. I think you've been doing that almost 10 years, isn't Almost it, 10 years. I think it's almost 10 years coming up in August sometime. So, what Fantastic. is Australian tenders and what does it do? So, Australian tenders is a website that provides information on business opportunities throughout Australia. And specifically, those business opportunities are public tenders. Right. Typically, there are public tenders published by government. So, local government, state government, federal government and some private organisations as well, publishing business opportunities in the form of tenders. Right. So, is this a problem you saw? Were you trying to go for tenders and going, I wish there was a site, one <laughs> site Correct. that put it all together? Correct. Is so, I'm a the... solving a, I've solved a problem that I experienced myself right. as, as, a business so develop- yeah, that's right. okay. as a business development manager um, accessing this information Right. because I was reliant upon salespeople. Uh, to tell me when and where the tender opportunities were coming out, but I wanted to get ahead of the curve and find out, you know, when and where these tender opportunities were coming up. So back then, so in two thousand and nine, where, where, where were we? Well, ten years ago. 10? So two thousand. So in fact, that was probably five years before that. I had this idea, and oh, that was right. back in two thousand and four. Right. Right. So it was almost five years before I started it that I had the idea. So you had the idea, and was that that whole time, those five years, you were thinking about it or working on it at the same oh, time? Oh, thinking about it. You know, there's I think there's a few business plans floating around at various times over those five years. Mm-hmm. The thing is, at that point in time, that was not an original idea. It was already being done. Right. But the services that existed at that point in time were just horrendously, prohibitively expensive. Right. Right. So, what made you take the jump? Um, what made me take the jump is that I think you can wait your whole life to get that brilliant business idea that nobody's ever thought of before. Yeah. It's almost right. impossible. Mm-hmm. So, you had to go, well, this is the best idea that I've got. <laughs> the best one, not the most it's original. Not, it's not the most original one, yeah. but it's the best idea I've got and it's got to get up my ass and do something about this idea, albeit not an original one. Right. And you thought you could do it better as well by the sound of it. It sounds like everything else had a really high cost and maybe possibly quite poor UX. Yes. And they were both expensive. Like in terms of the procurement guidelines of my company, I was going to have to do a business case to my manager in order to procure this product. Mm. So my goal was to create something better in terms of something that sat within like the uh, purchasing authority of a salesperson mm-hmm. where they could subscribe themselves, put it on their own credit card, and claim it back as an expense. Right. right. So the better really was a cheaper version of, of what existed. Did you quit your job and jump in full time? Was it no. a side hustle to start <laughs> no, with? No, this is a side project. Right, okay. Uh-huh. I, you know, I. I wasn't competent enough yeah. uh, to Can't think that it would ever pay my way fully. So it was a side project mm-hmm. where I had a, you know, a full-time, quasi, almost a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, it was a one-day 
a week side project. Yes. And people subscribe to the site in order to get the tenders in one place rather than going to the newspapers and various trade Correct. So the information that, that right? we're providing is freely available. You can go and get it yourself if you like. It's all over the but place. But you're going to have to scour over 3,000 different sources to find this information. So we aggregate it all, make it available in one spot uh, on a subscription basis. And were you entering it yourself then, or did you have clever technology sucking it all off these other sites? How, how, how are we getting all the content from these 3,000 sources? Uh, well, I started off just manually entering <laughs> it myself. Bless you. <laughs> Love it. That must which have is, which was most of your time, I'm Which guessing. was, you know, literally copying and pasting yes. from from various websites. Every single day, having a list of URLs, visiting those websites and copying and pasting uh, the tender details into my own database. We're presuming that you've moved to some form of algorithm now? Oh, look, it's a semi-automated method uh -huh. um, and with uh, an offshore team. Fantastic. Uh, doing that work. Right, okay, okay. So how big is the team now? So the team is five mm -hmm. uh, in Western Australia and two offshore. Fantastic. And the business has been growing year by year and What's well, funny thing nicely or? about growth? I mean, you have this view that what happens is you develop a product, you hit product market fit, and then all of a sudden you go on this magic hockey stick looking growth profile. Uh, and that's just not the way it happens. Right. So, how, how so, did it happen for you? So, the experience, my experience has been one of you get like these growth spurts. Right. Where your company grows for a period, particularly around software as a service, subscription based. Mm -hmm companies because you're dealing with churn, losing customers yeah. as well. So you have these periods where you flatline. Right. And you don't grow. And you try and <laughs> figure out, well, how do I parts, grow the yeah. company? Yes. And then you work your ass off and you work really, really hard. And then you have these growth spurts where your company grows again and then it flatlines and then it grows and flatlines. Mm. So how long until you quit your job and you're in it full time? Was look, in my case, it was process? probably a, at least a year. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, probably from revenue yep. to Quitting my job. And funded it yourself? Did you get investors in? How, how did you fund it? Well, I didn't have a huge amount of confidence in my own idea <laughs> at the time. Great place right. to start. And uh, <laughs> look, raising capital was something that I don't, I didn't, don't think I even knew, as most startups right. didn't even really know right. about this idea that you would raise capital. Uh, like many entrepreneurs, I was young, so I was 40. I had a young family, a wife. I had three children, right. um, didn't have the spare capital. Mm -hmm. So what I did have is I had a superannuation fund. Oh. So what I did is I converted my superannuation fund to a self-managed superannuation fund. Mm -hmm. And there's this weird little nuance of law that allows you to invest up to 5% of your super fund in what are called in-house assets. So technically, it means you can. It will not be highly recommended by your financial advisors, yes. right. but you can invest up to 5% of your own super fund. In, so I borrowed $5,000 from my own super fund. Right. That Fantastic. was the money that I used. Repaid? And that has been repaid. Spades. Excellent. Oh, wonderful. Great story. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is that is a very unique uh, funding approach that I think a lot of people will take something I've never heard of that. Neither actually. have I. Yeah. That, right, okay. That's a first for this show. Right. So Okay. <laughs> and you've done lots and lots of things in the last 10 years, and I think I would have probably met you at eGroup when you were just founding Australian Tenders 10 years ago, probably. Like, Correct. Um, I think back. I was probably in that first year of my entrepreneurial journey yeah. when eGroup surfaced. I went, mm. wow, great, there's other people <laughs> out <laughs> there, not, crazy people, other crazy people <laughs> like you, Charlie, uh, doing the same thing as me, and that was great to be able to find other like-minded people. We want to take you right back, and we'll probably end up back in mm. Australian intenders and all the other things you've done in between, mm. like the accelerators yep. you've been doing, mm -hmm. et cetera. So. so you were born and raised in WA? 
Correct. Yep. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And were you were you always entrepreneurial in spirit? Did did you you know fly high at school and always lead Look, the pack? I think in hindsight, yes, I was always entrepreneurial in spirit. There was always a desire to start my own business. Like even at university, I had business business ideas, but that's okay. just not what you did. Right. You did not. You basically went to university and you went and got a job. So what the did idea you do? That you quit uni and Crazy. started a company. Just no one did that. So what did you actually do? You went to uni. So I went to uni. Yes. I did uh, engineering Fantastic. at university. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did my first year at UWA. Mm-hmm. Failed everything there. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Then moved to what was the what was the West Australian Institute of Technology. Now Curtin. Thankfully, by the time I graduated, it was Curtin University. <laughs> so I then graduated with a Curtin University. Uh, degree in engineering, engineering? Mm. electronics engineering. Right. Okay. Right. And so you, you then. Uh, what, what did you do after that? Did you go into engineering as a profession? And yes, I went into engineering. I went to engineering as a profession. Yes. And I spent about four years working as a professional consulting engineer. Yes. yes. Right. That was kind of here in Perth. Uh, yeah, here in Perth. And did you enjoy that? I think I think I enjoyed having a wage. Yes, yes, uh, from you <laughs> having after a good uni. job and having yeah, a wage, yeah. and earning some money. It and, wasn't what you loved, though, was no, it? No, it wasn't. It, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't what I loved. So I yeah. still had a. Again, I think I had numerous entrepreneurial business ideas at that time, right? But didn't pursue it's just bubbling in you. Yeah. Any, yeah. any any of those? Late so 80s, how long early after? 90s? Yeah, when was this? Late eighties, early nineties. Are we talking about you? Uh, so yeah, so so late eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then I had an opportunity, job opportunity, to go and work for a company called ERG. Aha. Mm-hmm. So ERG was a darling of the first mm-hmm. um, tech boom, mm-hmm. and where I worked as a product manager, and then ultimately as a business development manager. Right. So smart transport systems. Yeah. 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 So the that smart com- card, etc. Smart cards for public transport. Yeah. So that company was a global technology company mm. that happened to have a head office in Perth. Mm. Didn't have a a single customer in Western Australia, but it was a global tech company in Perth. I haven't. I've tried to do the research recently, and I'm pretty sure it almost got to unicorn status in terms of a billion dollar valuation, and almost eclipsed West Farmers to be the largest company uh, in Western Australia at the time. So in the the 90s. So I had this great opportunity to work in a global tech company head office Perth. Right. Quite a coup getting a job there then. Yeah. Well, the company had employed a thousand people. Right. So there are lots of people. It was employed okay. a huge number of people. And uh, how long were you there and then what after that? So I was there for two times. <laughs> <laughs> you came back later. For five years, okay. left, uh, and then came back for another five years. Right. Um, where I was then working as business development manager, right. uh, where, I, where I sort of came across the idea and the opportunity um, for doing the tender opportunity also that is tenders. now Australian Tenders. Yeah. So what did you do in between your two ERG stints? I did a stint at another tech company uh, <laughs> called Intellect, who again was another successful tech company so you've got Perth. quite a lot of tech background yeah. in Perth. Correct. Not many people have yep. that experience in Perth. You usually have to go away. Normally you have to go away to get, to, to get those types of experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, the job of product manager, I mean, you know, even at the time back then, there was only a few companies that were large enough to have somebody in that role of, yes. of product manager. Yes. So then you decided, or you had the idea for Australian tenders, and then eventually you went from ERG and you, the slight side hustle became the full-time Correct. AustralianTenders.com. Correct. Yes. So 
I quit ERG and I went back to work for them as a contractor uh-huh. for three days a week, uh-huh. and that was part of the part of the process of exploring other business ideas on the side. And it sounds like because I've done one of these two, one of these sort of online businesses, subscription membership businesses, it, it takes a while to get scale, and then after that, it's awesome because every new person who signs up, it's like goes straight to the bottom line. It's Correct. profit. Yep. as a business model. That what they call now SaaS, but we were yeah. called membership or subscriptions or something back then, is a great business model. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I started off as originally the idea was going to be as it's going to be a two-sided uh, yeah. marketplace where people would post their tenders, right. would publish their tenders, and people would then subscribe to access those tenders. Right. What I learned quickly was that you weren't going to post them. They weren't going to post them. No. So what happened was essentially I wound up posting tenders in yes. there myself yes. and essentially developed a solution to satisfy one side of the market. Yes. The interesting thing now is now 10 years on, so I've got this side of the market, you know, 3,500 small yeah. businesses on that side. Now I've got the opportunity potentially to start doing the potentially two-sided. doing the two-sided market. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think two-sided markets, which are popular, are just incredibly difficult. They're hard. Yeah. And so I think you really just have to yeah. focus, which I did in the end. Yes, that's smart. So I went from a, it was actually originally called procure.com.au. All right. And then I pivoted to essentially Australian tenders.com mm-hmm. uh, and basically just focusing on providing, and I solving a problem for one side of the market. Over the last 10 years, there's more providers. It's got more competitive. It's actually got less competitive. Really? Right. So there oh, has wow. been consolidation. There's people who have simply pulled out, ah. and there have been competitors that have bought other competitors. Competitors. Right. So the market has, in fact, got less competitive. And you haven't been tempted to sell or or acquire, or or you've just stayed as you are. Um, Ten years. Just stayed as we are. So we yeah. probably sit in second spot. Okay. okay. Um, you know, the largest company being a company called Tenderlink that nice. was at one point in time owned by Fairfax Newspapers mm-hmm. and right. is now was bought by Dun & Bradstreet that now sits as this part of this large corporate called Illion mm-hmm. out of New Zealand. So, okay. Um, right. So you're awaiting a nice exit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're next. So tell, tell us a little bit about the growth journey, though. So obviously across the last 10 years, mm. it's, a lot's happened in that time, I'm guessing. So even just, you know, building the original platform, it sounds like you were initially doing it quite manually. You know, how did you go to, to automating some of that and developing the website and, and that whole process? Well, one of the crazy things is that the first version of the website, I hacked it myself. I bought an <laughs> off-the-shelf script for $500. Wonderful. And basically hacked the code myself. Uh, that code is still running on the website today. Wow. Stop. That's amazing. I know. So I'm currently working through the process of replacing it. <laughs> a little bit of legacy code there. So I, you know, I can still call myself a startup, yes. <laughs> maybe on the basis of yes. like still 90% code that was there on, mm-hmm. on, on day one. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now it's really a case of 10 years on yep. is I need to get and replace mm-hmm. the existing software platform because mm-hmm. it's end of life. I think it was end of life at the end of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, still going. You know, I need to put in place the systems and the processes and the people. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's that's the next so part of the journey. Python course, are you? <laughs> 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 and so, what about the process of, of getting investment? Did you get investment? Uh, was it angel investment? Was it? No. So no? I started with the five thousand dollars. That was that it. Your super, super fund yep. and repaid, um, possibly within the first year. And basically, it's all been organic growth. From there, fantastic. The challenge is with that, though, is that yes, you can do it, which I have done, but you know it's taken longer. Mm. So mm-hmm. I think the capital raising is about yeah. time. 
Well, you know this from the other side, right? Because you are one of the most high-profile, prominent angel investors yourself. Mm. I think we were having a chat before we rolled the mics that if you add it all up, you've got 22 or you've made 22 investments yourself. Correct. Via your accelerator yep. and also mm -hmm. direct angel investments. So Correct. When did that start to happen? And you thought, well, I'm not going to put any more money into my business. It's going rocking and rolling quite nicely. But I'm going to look at these other ones over here and maybe help them out. Well, Charlie, it all starts with e-group, which, uh, <laughs> yes, because e-group was entrepreneurs uh, meeting on the first Tuesday of the month. Still meets on still the first meets, Tuesday still, Tuesday. still meets yeah. on the first Tuesday of the month. And obviously, in the course of um, e-group, there are lots of founders coming through e-group who are looking for capital um, for their business. So the first step, my, really my first ever angel investment comes out of people that I met right. through that network um, that was uh, e-group. Right. And so how do you choose which which startups, that, which ones catch your eye and what do you have a, a system, a complex <laughs> matrix or is it is it intuitive? How do you, how does it happen for you? Well, to start off with, I mean, it's a pretty random process for most people. <laughs> yep. So I'm trying, as I do more and more, I'm trying to become more systematic and slightly more professional about it yep. uh, with, with my own set of investment criteria rather than just initially it was just pretty random. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess what I've synthesized it down to is, I mean, if you're investing in the early stage, companies, um, you're really investing in, in people. Mm -hmm. You're investing in the team. Um, so you're really looking at for people who have, you know, got some resilience, they're passionate, um, they're solving a problem that they care about and that they have some expertise around and also that they have some capacity to execute. So it's likely whatever idea you're being pitched will not be what winds up being successful. Mm. So do you look at certain industries? Do you prefer SaaS models? Or is it, as you say, it's the people you look at? Look, there, there is a, yeah, there, it, is, it is people, but there is, uh, there is an inherent bias mm -hmm. yeah. towards stuff that sits in the business-to-business -business space. Right. Um, and there's also a bias towards companies that are looking at subscription-based models, yeah. which is the model I have in my own business. Um, and maybe something you can add value to them? And something I can add value. Not just money. You can, yeah, it does definitely. Game, but you can help them yeah. open doors or get them to the next level. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite startups in Perth is one I haven't actually invested in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because I can't necessarily add a great deal of value. And the amount of money that I'd be putting in doesn't Make a, make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so you are looking for opportunities where you can put some money in and contribute some advice and hopefully make a difference. So what advice would you give to startups that are looking to pitch an angel investor like yourself? What uh, what's the, what are the do's and don'ts from, from the investment side? Right, the do's and don'ts. Well, first, I think you need to take a step back and decide, are you really ready? and willing to raise capital, because raising capital is a full-time process that is going to distract you from running your business. Yeah. So the first thing is really, you're either raising capital or, or you're not. The worst thing is being in this half-like state of trying to run a business and raising capital. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first advice. And do you advice. have the responsibility of having shareholders yeah, that's right. around your neck? That's right, yep. Going, when's my exit? Yep, Hello? that's right. How's it going over there? When do I get my money back? <laughs> I'm not like that. No, I'm not. No. But, massive uh, long-term investment. Massive long-term right. investor. Five, seven years, maybe you get an exit. Most likely you won't get anything back at all. Is correct. That, is that your mentality? Oh, correct. I mean, yes. I, yeah. You hope to win on all the bets, but you've said no to probably 19 for every one you invest in. Is that the sort of ratio? 
Uh, it's probably better than that. Better than like, that. Yeah, okay. it's better than that. But, you know, I think angel investment is where it sits now in Western Australia. It sits somewhere between investment and philanthropy. Yes. <laughs> Marcus Tan said that originally, yes. so he, he yeah. was right. So, you know, you're wanting to make some investment returns, but they're not going to be as good as you might get in other asset classes at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but you're also hoping to help out uh, and help build the next generation of businesses. Mm-hmm. When did it become the state that you then thought, right, we need a tech accelerator here in Perth? And I, I think you really were the first one to give a sizable amount of money, like 30, 40 grand, you're giving an investment in every company that gets onto your accelerator program. Now, there are lots of programs that call themselves accelerators up to then, but they were either you had to pay to go on them or they were free and you got a bit of mentorship, but nothing like where you actually got 40 grand, you can quit your job and do it. But I think Focus Upstart? Yeah, Amcom Upstart, Sorry, Upstart in the first Upstart? year, back in 2015. Was the first that did that? Well, there was RAC SeedSpark, Seed so congratulations to RAC on they had that first program. Right. So then I did what a lot of people do is you go and visit other ecosystems. So I went across to Sydney where I met up with uh, Nikki Skivak, who had just started the Startmate Accelerator program right. um, in Sydney. Yeah. And that seemed to address some of the issues we had back in Perth in terms of tying in some investment capital in with mentoring in some form of education program. Right. So the start mate. And that was 2013, 2014-ish? That was probably 2014, 2014 when I met with uh, Nikki. Mm. Uh, he was probably two years into start mate at that point in time. And come up start. I remember you getting up on stage at West Tech Fest and announcing it the following year. With Correct. Tony Grist. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. So getting him on involved, involved was obviously very important. Obviously, Amcom, he was running Amcom at the time, which then became Vocus. Yeah. Correct. So if we look at Startmate, what they had is they had, because Nikki went to school with one of the guys from Atlassian, <laughs> so he had, I think it might have been um, Scott Farquhar, yeah. right? He went to school with Scott, and so he had the backing and support of um, Scott Farquhar for Startmate. Right. Wow. Or Mike Cannonbrooks, one of the two. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, so he, he had their support. So my thought was, well, uh, yeah, to do something similar in Perth, the equivalent in Perth, there's only two names on the list. Yes. <laughs> one was Michael Malone and one yep. was Tony Grist. Yes. Uh, Michael was living in Sydney at the time, so I pitched the idea to Tony and uh, he came on board and brought Amcom on board as you know, essentially the, the main sponsor of that program here in Perth. Mm. Yeah. And then you put money into that. You got other investors as well to put money into that. Collectively, half a million-ish? Uh, correct. For that first year? For the first round, it was, yeah, it was in excess of half a million dollars that we raised from various investors. And you chose half a dozen? So we chose eight, eight. in the first year right. and seven in the second year. Okay. Uh, so 15 in total um, across the two years. And this must have taken you away from Australian tenders. Essentially, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I pretty much left Australian tenders for two years. Yeah. Um, left it for my staff to run. Whilst I basically was full-time, I didn't think it would be a full-time job, but it was a probably a four-day-a-week job, full-time job, running the um, Accelerate program. So I left my business to run itself. And it ran itself fine by the, the sound of it. Is, most yeah. businesses will run themselves, mm-hmm. but they won't necessarily grow themselves. Right. right. Like, and did you find that was the main issue that you were kind of facing at that point in, in time? Correct. So, you know, if I left it for another year, it's possible that the business would have started a terminal decline. <laughs> businesses will only run themselves for so long. So that's the point at which you went, this has been great fun. Thanks. Did, because Thanks. the accelerator program, yeah. I didn't take any salary at all. Yeah. I built a performance fee. So it was philanthropy. So, I worked two years full time and to this day haven't earned a dollar. And the likelihood of earning a dollar is 
So 15 companies went through that. 15 companies went through. You've made another seven angel investors. That's how I get to 22. Is that correct? Correct. Another, another most, yeah, another seven. How many of those 15? Any good notable wins from those 15? Still going, doing well, have gone on to greater things? Uh, we should call GeoMobi. GeoMobi, yeah. Chris oh, yeah. Baudia, who Baudia. basically ticks the resilience box. He does. You know? Yeah. So Chris has continued on and he's doing well with GeoMobi. Yeah, good. Um, BusyBot. Which, Which is was now team line. Team line, yeah. Damien Bramanis. He's over in so the UK now. He's over in the UK now. Yeah. So he's developed a successful app that sits on the top of Slack. Yeah. yeah. As a got tens of thousands of users. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Smart guy. Okay, so those two. So those two. Excellent. And you've got some other ones as well that so, you made individually. Um, this is private, you don't have to share. But yeah, no, that's fine. So a few you're proud of that you're looking up. Uh, well, ticking the box for the most resilience is Graham Speak. Uh, bank Vault, so I'm an investor in Bank Vault. Okay. So congratulations to Graham. Yeah. Uh, Workmetrics. Uh, Jeremy Nunn. Jeremy yeah. Nunn, mm -hmm. um, who, I met, who I met through eGroup, both Graham and Jeremy I met yeah. through um, eGroup. And um, Fleetsu, it was an investment I did through Perth Angels. Jacob, yep. Jacob. Mm -hmm. Idle Australia, Dylan. Who, yeah, uh, yeah. Dylan, who I invested in Idle when they pitched to the Perth Angels uh, last year, and again, they're in the um, they're in the plus they're in the plus eight accelerator yeah. program this year. Would mm -hmm. have heard them on a previous uh, bonus episode of this yes. very yep. podcast. And um, most recently, Isatana. Ah, um, okay, fantastic! Yeah, uh, they're going through a, another capital raising. Well, There's bless a, you for doing that. Because I say twenty-two investments. I don't know anyone else who's done that. I uh, yeah. would come close. Yes, yeah. Andrew Larson maybe, and yes. that's probably about it. Yeah, um, in Perth. Are you sticking around in Perth? <laughs> I think that's the question Charlie wants to ask. <laughs> well, I, I am. I am sticking around. I mean, yes. the, the challenge is for a lot of people coming into it is that they wind up getting fully invested, which yeah. I am, yes. uh, which really mean, means you need a, an exit yes. mm -hmm. from somewhere to continue investing. Yep. But you know, I'll continue to invest, So, but my mandate now at this point in time is one startup a year. Yes. It's probably about all I can afford to invest in. Yep. So um, encourage anybody else to get out there as well and find one startup. How would and you characterise the funding scene for early stages and the angel funding scene? Because you're obviously very active, but is there much else? I think I think it's very very difficult. Mm. Um, there still is not. There doesn't appear to be any more. There are more people certainly in the ecosystem and more angel investors in there. But in terms of people writing out checks and putting money in, to um, why is that? Because there seems to be a lot of money in Perth. There's a lot of money in Perth. There is There's a lot, lot of money, money in invested Perth. in Perth yep. companies. Why not in the early stage tech scene? So much. Well, I mean, there's obviously still a lot of money being invested in speculative. Um, listed companies mm -hmm. uh, in mining and also bio stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So there still is that tendency towards investing in listed companies rather than unlisted. Yeah. It still would be the major issue. And how can we change that, do you think? Need more success stories? Need more success stories. Yeah. I mean, you need, we need a success story like you hear around companies like Fortescue where somebody who invested $1,000 made $100,000. So you need yes. those success stories. Yeah. And we still don't have those success stories. So you mentioned earlier you have a favourite startup in Perth. Can you tell us uh, who that is? Yeah, but my, my favourite startup is probably uh, Josh and Richard from Electric Aero. Awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, got there, yeah. I think they did a TED Talk. You did. Right. Yeah, yeah. At, the, at last year's uh, 2018 TEDx Perth. Well, because they're a great team. So you've, yep. got, you've got Josh who's got technical expertise and is mm -hmm. building drones. He's got domain mm -hmm. expertise. You've got Richard, who's a pilot and has got some finance and accounting background. So you had a great team of two guys who've executed really, really well so far and are just 
hugely ambitious with what they're trying to do is they're global from day one, you know, incredibly ambitious. But you couldn't add much value to them. It's all about flying electro planes. It's right about flying electric planes yes. and there's lots of mechanics in there and, yeah. um, yeah. you know, they need a lot of money um, yeah. to make this successful and I don't really have any... Um, Great value to add, mm. and you know, even their, their seed capital raising is north of a million dollars. Right. Wow. Yeah. So just to even get going. Yeah. yeah sure. Just yeah. to get started, and they're they're well on track to achieving that mm. already. So, well, let's That's hope easy. you get some exits this year, and then you can get into uh, Elytra Aero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. We're going to finish on some rapid, quick fire sure. questions. Sure. Mm-hmm. First thing that comes into your head. Sure. Go, Beth. All right. The single most important factor that makes a successful startup. Uh, resilience. Yes, you mentioned that a few times. Mm, and you've mm-hmm. shown it. Bucket loads. <laughs> you believe in insourcing or outsourcing? Insourcing and then outsourcing. Okay. I've, always, I've, I've outsourced from the very, very beginning. Okay. So, so it's a great both. way of keeping your costs down. Mm-hmm. Do you believe a startup should self-fund or raise money? I think we may know the answer to that one. I think startups should self-fund yep. in the first place till they get to some form of customer revenue, customer revenue and then seek to gain capital for the growth phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, PC or Mac? Currently Mac, but looking for something new. Ah, okay. Exciting. Exactly. What's next? From the Mac. <laughs> yeah, from a Mac. Come on, Apple. It's been 10 years. <laughs> something, something new. Something new. Yeah. Uh, red or white? Uh, white. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we talking about wine or are we talking about colour? What do we... How do you interpret that question? Uh, Everyone does it differently. We're cool. Transparent. Ah, there you go. Transparent. Yep. What's transparent. What podcasts apart from this one do you listen to? I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I okay. prefer listening to music, so I'm an avid Triple You're J listener. A bit uh-huh. of a muso, aren't you? Mm. You're a bit of a guitarist? Yes, I yeah. So I play guitar, uh, which is, uh, yeah. Let's get you up on stage, baby. I know. So I will be doing yeah. an open mic night in Fremantle sometimes. <laughs> uh, that's my MVP will be an open mic night performance. Fantastic. Thanks, Fantastic. Rob. Thanks for the chat today. Thanks for the time. Uh, Fantastic uh, sharing, but also thanks what you do in the early stage startup scene. It's immense what you've done. I mean, the, Very important. the startup scene should just say a big collective thank you to Rob. Which they thank did. You, they sort of did at yes. the uh, Waiter Inside Awards. That's right. You that was won a, big a fantastic thank you. award. So, uh, Entrepreneur of the Year. Yeah. That's Inside right. Awards. Yeah. Yeah. Very well deserved, as we've, we've certainly heard here today. So, we will also take a second to thank our sponsors because the Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from IP Lawyers Raise, Space Cubed Co-working Spaces, Curtin University and BDO Accounting. Yes, thanks to the sponsors. Without them, we can't do any of this. We record this podcast at the Rift Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, WA. We release a new episode every second week, usually on a Wednesday, so do subscribe if you've not done so already and you'll get these in your feed. Thanks very much again, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Beth.